0: Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. This is part 10 in our series Genuine, a walk through Colossians. Today we're going to walk through Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 to 17. This book of Colossians covers three essential truths. If you miss one of these truths, your Spiritual life will get distorted. Your Christian life will fall into disarray. Uh, and yet my experience is, is that uh, many people who claim to be followers of Jesus miss one or more of these essentially e- essential truths. The first truth we find in Colossians is this, that the foundation of our spiritual life is based on what Jesus has done for us. The foundation of our spiritual life is based on what Jesus has done for us. Colossians chapter three, uh, chapter one, verse twenty-one: Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, but now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in His sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Jesus died for our sins, according to the Scripture. We are saved by grace through faith. It's not something we've done, it's not about the works we've done, it's, none of us can boast about it. We're saved by what Jesus has done for us, not by what we have done for him. We're saved by what, what he has done, not what we have done. I trust you know that. I, I know that many of you have asked that the work of Christ be applied to your life, you've received him into your life, you've given your life to him, you're following him. That's the first great truth found in Colossians that the foundation of our spiritual life is based on what Jesus has done for us. The second great truth is this. The practice of our spiritual life is all about intimacy with God. The practice of our spiritual life is all about intimacy with God. To state it in the negative, um, so that you get what I mean, that the practice of our spiritual life isn't about you just being good or not. It's not about morality. practice of our spiritual life is not about somehow being religious, going to church, or praying, or reading the Bible. All those things are good things, but those things are means to an end. They're not an end in themselves. The end is to know Christ, whom to know right is life eternal. The end is to have this deep, developing relationship with Christ, to have this real Intimacy with Christ. That's the end of our, our spiritual practices. It's all about intimacy with Jesus. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, the Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's as we develop that relationship with he who has come into our lives that that is what matters. We talked about last week how you've been raised with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realm. And we're called to set our hearts on things above and our, and our mind on things above. Why? Because our spiritual life is all about our connection with Jesus, our intimacy with Jesus. That, was, that is what Jesus was talking about in John chapter uh, 15, verse 5. He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, abiding in Christ connecting with Christ um, we looked at it when we we looked at uh, Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 you've been raised and seated with Christ I want to encourage you to push into your relationship with Christ that's the second great truth um, that you are are connected with Christ and that our spiritual practice is all about our intimacy with Christ hope that you're 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 getting it so far so first great truth is the foundation of our spiritual life is on what Jesus has done for us. Uh, The second great truth is that the the practice of our spiritual life is about intimacy with God. Now the third great truth is the one we want to focus on today. It's the measure of our spiritual life is determined by how we relate to others. Or to put it another way, the true measure of your Christian life is now, not how much or how often you read your Bible. Those things are important. But the true measure of your, of your spiritual life is about how you relate to other people. Because what happens is that our prayer life and our Bible reading and our intimacy with Christ transforms us because of what Christ has done. But you measure that transformation in terms of how you relate with other people. So, let me take you back to the passage, and we're going to look at a few verses we looked at last week, Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, it says this, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. As an introduction to the passage that we're about to look at Paul Paul says you've been transformed into the image of Christ. And where and when you are the distinctions between you and your fellow believers that are the distinctions that are made by this world don't matter. It's about Christ and it's about who he is, not about the things that separate us. So Paul makes a list here, and this list is relevant to us as well in some ways. First of all, he talks about the Jew versus the Gentile. Paul's spiritual growth had to do with overcoming his spiritual elitism. Uh, Jews were God's chosen people. Everybody else was a second-class citizen. is how he grew up. Paul says, in Christ there's no such distinction. Christ is all and in all. I grew up in a christian home i grew up into the faith maybe you grew up and you grew up with a rough background you didn't come to know jesus later in life there's no spiritual elitism it's about christ it's not about our backgrounds it's about christ circumcised versus uncircumcised circumcised was what jewish males did to show that they were part of god's chosen people i think the equivalent in our world would be um, maybe the, the cultural differences between church people and non-church people. Sometimes church people have a, a way of talking and a way of behaving, sometimes even a way of dressing that sets them apart from, from non-church people. And if a person walks into a particular church, and it depends which area of the country as to what these cultural norms are, you walk into a church and you don't quite fit in and some people would say, uh, with, would look down their, their noses at those kind of people. But Paul says there's no distinction. Circumcised, uncircumcised, it's not about that. It's about Jesus. About being able to fit in or not fitting in, it's not about that. It's about Jesus. Then he goes on to say barbarian and scythian. If you were to call some, somebody a barbarian, what would you mean? Well, that they're uncouth, uncivilized. It was the same thing in Paul's day. That's where we, we get the saying from. And it might be the equivalent in our uh, culture to call somebody a redneck. Um, and what a lot of people in Paul's time look down on the barbarian, on the Scythian, Paul says, in the body of Christ, those distinctions don't matter. It's about Jesus. Slave or free? We don't have uh, slaves so much, but we do have higher economic class and lower social economic class, and um, there's a tension in in that. Paul says, "Slave or free, doesn't matter. It's not about that. It's about Christ." So before we get to today's passage, Paul pushes all the religious bigoted buttons. He pushes the the racism button. He pushes the extreme cultural differences button. He pushes the uh, social economic button. He pushes the uh, education civilized button. And then he says this, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as Christ's chosen people, holy and dearly loved... Close yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. He speaks of who we are. He says, As, therefore, as, as God's holy people, You're holy because of the work that Jesus has done for you. You have been made holy because Christ has come into you. The foundation of our spiritual life, first truth, is what Jesus has done for us. He's dealt with our sins. He's made us holy. He also reminds us that that you are dearly loved by God, that he loves you so much. As a follower of Jesus, God is on your side. He really wants the best for you. So out of this position of being forgiven, and being made holy, and uh, and being truly loved, he says this, Clothe yourself with compassion, and kindness, and humility, and gentleness, and patience. I'm going to come to back to those in a moment. Uh, the context for living those out are found in verses 13 and 14, where, where it says, Bear with each other and forgive each other. Bear with each other, forgive each other? And then it goes on to say, and above all this love each other. The grammar in the Greek makes it really plain that this, this is not a continuation of the list of compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is the context by what by where we live out those virtues. Do you know why we have to bear with each with each other? And why we need to be told to forgive each other and love each other? Because rednecks and elitists, they tend to look down at one another, um, and they act with disdain towards each other. If you have racial um, uh, racism tendencies, then it says, "No, that, that, that won't work. Clothe yourself with compassion. kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. Uh, If you have ever felt discriminated against, if you've had somebody who has said something that has hurt you, bear with each other and forgive each other as Christ has forgiven you. Above all, love one another. There are tensions that arise in a group of believers just because we're people. And if you add on top of that um, multi ethnic, diverse social economic, sometimes denominational, uh, uh, varied denominations, yet onto that multi generational, our idea of what spirituality should look like can be really different. Hymns versus courses, traditional versus contemporary. All these kind of things get thrown into the mix and how we use language and how we say things and what we think is appropriate, how we behave. These things can be really different depending on what kind of background and who you are, where you come from. And we can get pushed into being offended, being irritated, being Paul says, bear with each other, forgive each other, love each other. Paul says the point is that there are no sides. There there isn't the, the Jewish side and the Gentile side. There isn't the slave side and the free side. We're in Christ. For Christ is all and in all. So, as God's chosen people, who are holy and dearly loved... Treat people who are different than you, people who irritate you, treat people who are a way richer or a way poorer than you, who know far more or less, or are more civilized or more earthy. Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience be that towards them you you you'll know that Paul doesn't say pretend to be compassionate and kind and uh, humble and gentle and patient you know just just kind of you know act that way that's not what's going on here if you look closely on uh, verse 5 he tells us to put to death what belongs to our our earthly nature And now he's saying, clothe yourself with compassion. He's saying, put on uh, clothing of compassion and kindness. Your clothes are are what people see when they look at you. This is just part. This is who you are. It's your style. Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility gentleness and patience. I want you to notice that your actions of compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and, fi- and, and patience have nothing to do with the other person. Nor does the bearing with, nor the forgiving. It's not like, uh, well, I'll forgive them when they ask for forgiveness. I'll bear with them if they change. I'll have compassion and kindness on them when, when they fit more into what I would like to see. It's not based on them. It's not about them. This is about your heart. In other words, this change happens in you, whether they change or not. That is why the measure of your spirituality is seen on how you relate to other people, especially people who are different than you, especially people who, who are, um, you know, have worlds apart in terms of point of view. So let me quickly walk through the list of what we're to clothe ourselves with. Compassion. Compassion requires knowing a person in such a way where you can feel their joys and their sorrows. This is not about giving a $10 bill uh, to a homeless person so that you can feel good about yourself. This is about entering into the life of a person so that you are with them in the middle of their difficulties. Compassion, kindness. Kindness requires that you see a person as having worth and having value. It is about respect, um, and and you would respect them in such a way that you would never consider manipulating them for their, for your own purposes. Kindness treats them with dignity. Humility. When when we approach some, some, uh, a person with humility, we understand that not only are they valuable, but they have something to teach us. We have something to learn from them. Uh, we approach our relationship based on a mutual give and take. It's not like I'm reaching down to someone, but I'm reaching across to someone. And I'm allowing us to enter into this kind of relationship where I'll learn from them and they'll learn from me. And that's true whether you're educated or not, whether you're, um, upper crust or redneck, it's true. Whether you've been walking with Jesus for a while or been walking with him for a little bit, it's true. Humility means that we learn to see each other and put each other ahead of ourselves, because we we know that we have stuff to learn from each other. Gentleness. If I'm going to be gentle with a person, then I cannot act out of my own insecurities and my own defensiveness. I cannot hammer away at them because of what's going on in me. I treat somebody with respect, even when I don't agree with them, especially when I don't agree with them. Patience, if I am patient, I put other people's agenda ahead, and not and other people's well-being ahead of my agenda. Now, I shouldn't say other people's agenda, other people's well-being ahead of my agenda. That's what patience is, where we put other people's well-being ahead of my agenda. If I were to sum this up. This list up says, I treat other people with with dignity and respect and people of worth, even if they're not treating me the same way. This means that I'm gracious with people, that I don't use people, I don't manipulate people to get my own way. I enter into people's lives in such a way that supports them and encourages them and calls the best out of them. Do you see why the, the, the measure of our spirituality is seen in how in how you treat others? This is not superficial politeness. This is heart transformation that, that shows up in real-world interactions. Just to drive the point home, Paul uh, says this in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as a member of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. You see, if a heart has been transformed by God... These kinds of people um, that would normally drive you crazy, would normally make you anxious, but your heart's been transformed by God, and and you can interact with them, even have fierce conversations with them, and your heart can be at peace, and you treat them with love. Um, And that's true even if they're really different from you. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 goes on to say, And so, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, and teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart, and whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let the message of Christ dwell amongst you richly, Probably isn't the best translation. Uh, let the, the message, the, the logos of Christ, the word of, of Christ, dwell in you is probably the better translation there. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. And as a result of that, you'll start to see what comes out of that. You start um, you know, encouraging, admonishing each other with wisdom. With psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, in verse eleven, uh, in this passage, he says that Christ is all in all. Now he's saying that you let the word of Christ dwell in you, and and all that Christ is, and who he stands for, and what he said, and what he's done. That's that's the word of Christ. That's that's the logos of God, of Christ. It's 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 the sense of the whole idea of Christ. Let that dwell in you richly is set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. Now, it's interesting. There's a parallel passage in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs uh, from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. Notice that Colossians has let the word of Christ dwell in you, and Ephesians has be filled with the Spirit. But the results are somewhat the same. It's you're going to admonish and you're going to speak to one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. There's something about your internal life, when you are filled with the Spirit, or when you're letting your heart and your mind dwell on things above, where it has a way of transforming our inner life. And we start to speak out the words of, of, of hope and of goodness and of praise. It transforms whatever we do. Because we're doing it in the name of Christ. There are big two, three big truths in Colossians. The first one is, the foundation of our spiritual life is what Jesus has done for us. The second big truth is, is that... It's our spiritual life is all about intimacy with God, being filled with the Spirit, letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. All prayer and worship and Bible reading are towards that end, where we know Christ and the power of His resurrection, where we're abiding in Him, and walking with Him, and leaning into Him, and our relationship grows in depth and in texture. The third great truth is this, you can tell how much of the work of Christ has been applied to your life. You can tell how much uh, you've pushed into a relationship with Jesus by how you relate to other people. Do you forgive and bear with? Do you, when people see you, do they see you clothed with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. It's how you treat the ones who are different where this especially shows up. If your pushing into Christ hasn't resulted in a difference in how you treat people, then you're going to need to lean into a deeper relationship with Him. You're going to need to be discipled better. You're going to have to push into what he's done because he wants to transform your heart. Because this isn't just a pretty facade. This is a deep working of the Spirit in your life. I'll end with a quick story. There was a person in a church where I was pastoring that I had a bad attitude towards. He he was a nice guy and all, but he was just really different from me. He valued things that were different. Um, we saw things differently. And the trouble was I had to work with him closely. He, he did some things that really irritated me and his, his view on things were were different than mine. And the things that he valued were somewhat different than the things I valued. And every time I, I, I work with this person, I came away with this bad attitude, fear, feeling irritated. My first thought was, well, how can I arrange it so I don't have to work with this guy? My second thought was, how can I get him to do what I want him to do? You'll notice that those thoughts were all about me, my agenda, and my comfort. That's where our minds and our hearts go when they haven't been fully transformed by Christ. But my bad attitude, my irritation, it wasn't about him. It was about me and my heart. I started off asking God, God what, what what, should I do? And, and I sent this answer, you need to pray for him. So I put him on my daily prayer list. And I pray for him every day, very faithfully. You know, it took probably a month. But uh, my heart changed. The guy didn't change. He was still doing the same stuff. But... I changed and we could work together and we could speak to each other and it didn't link into my insecurities or my need to get my own way. Let me ask you this question. If you were to grade your spiritual life on how you bear with one another and forgive one another and truly love one another, if you were to grade yourself on how you are compassionate and kind, and humble, and gentle, and patient to those who are really different from you? What kind of grade would you give yourself? That will give you a handle on how your spiritual life is doing. Your goal isn't just to somehow uh, fake compassion and kindness your goal is to be transformed by Jesus as you live in relationship with Jesus, as your heart is purified by Jesus, as your mind is transformed and is renewed by Jesus, then what happens is that our attitudes towards other people are transformed as well. We are able to bear with one another and forgive each other and love each other We're able to put on compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and be patient. And we live with each other, even when we're different, very well. I pray that God's grace would so infuse you that you would experience this as you interact with others. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, my prayer is this. That you would so infuse your people as they walk with you, that they would have a sense that you're at work. I ask, O Lord, that you would show them who you are, and you would transform their hearts, so that as they relate to others who are really different than them, that you would give them a sense uh, that they are clothed with compassion and kindness, that they see each other and treat each other with humility and gentleness and patience. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.